I feel at home. So I know that God is here. Amen. And that God has something for us today. I welcome all of you in, uh, to uh, River's Edge International Fellowship. Dr. Mitchell sends his greeting as well. Dr. Mitchell, our uh, Eddie Mitchell, our president and presiding apostle of River's Edge International Fellowship. So uh, greeting and blessing from Dr. Mitchell. Let me share this. There are two things that I want to bring out today. How much time do I have, by the way? Okay, I will try to keep that. It's good to know your time. <clears throat> two things before I actually get into my notes that the Lord has put in my spirit. Thing one, Romans ten, seventeen. Do you have your Bible? If you do not, then tell your, your people when you go back home, tell your people, ask them, do you have your Bible? And if they say, no, I don't, you ask them, do you have a smartphone? Everybody has a phone these days. There are so many Bibles available on the phone. There's no excuse. Amen? Amen. Are you there? This is in the English Standard Version. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you're in the King James Version, faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. What is faith? We know from Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is a substance. But I want to tell you also, faith is an action. Faith is a choice. Faith is not a mystery. You choose to have faith. What is that word faith? In the Greek, it's pistis. What it means in English, hope, confidence, trust. A fervent expectation of a positive result. That is faith. So when you put your faith in God, you put your trust, you decide to give God your trust. You decide to give God your confidence. You decide to give God your hope. You expect God to do something. Amen? That faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. What is the word of God? In this verse, if you look at the Greek, the word there is rhema. Do you know that word? Rhema is spoken, the spoken word of God. You hear this. When you read your Bible, read it out loud and speak to yourself. 
If you're at work, you can listen to the Bible. You can get it on audio. You can go to Bible.is, and the Bible on the Internet will talk to you and read back to you. You version. All these different translations. You can get it on CD. Let that Bible speak to you. Get that word on the inside of you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Amen? Amen. Here's the other word I want to share with you. Luke 1. Verse 1. Say amen when you're there. Amen. Is it okay that we look in the Bible? <laughs> Paul wrote at one place that he did not come to you with wise speaking or with compelling words. But he came, he wrote, he came humble, but he wrote strong. I don't want to tickle your ears. I don't want to have, you've all seen them, the, the great preachers. I don't want to be that. I want to be humble, and I want you to hear the word of God. Amen? Amen. Are you there? Luke 1, verse 1. In as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, let me stop there for a moment. Theophilus is a Greek word, and they sometimes thought that they were just writing to a person named Theophilus. But if you look at the Greek, Theophilus also means friend of God. So he wrote an orderly account to you, most excellent friend of God. Who is a friend of God? Anyone. I like that. Identify. You can be a friend of God through Jesus Christ. Through the cross, we accept the price of the cross for our sin. We now can have a relationship with God the Father, God Almighty. And we can be friends with God just like he was friends with Moses. Just like he was friends with David. Just like he was friends with Elijah. We can walk with them and talk with them and have a day-to-day -day relationship with them because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Verse 4. This is the important part. That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Why do we study the word of God? Exactly what he wrote there. That we might have certainty concerning the things we have been taught. One translation said, concerning the things you believed. We know this Bible. We read this Bible. 
not a verse at a time. If we want to understand a verse, read the whole chapter to understand what that verse meant in the whole chapter. If we want to understand a chapter, read that whole book to understand the context of that chapter in that book. If we want to understand that book, read the whole Bible so that you understand the context of that book within the whole statement of God. Amen? We call it the Old and New Testament. That is a statement. It is as a testament is a legal term, meaning testimony. If I go to court and I've been a professional witness, but in a case, they ask me, did this happen? And I go, yes, it happened that way. Then they took my testament in that case. This is the Lord's testament. We have an Old Testament. Say God would say, we're doing it this way. And look to someone who will fulfill all of this testimony. Then we go to the New Testament and we find the testimony fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That was good. Don't look at me as a great wise preacher. <laughs> a lot of times I just hear the Holy Spirit and I tell you right then and there. I have friends, I tell make sure you record this because I want to hear it later. Because when we have a relationship with God like that, you as pastors and ministers, you study this word, you cultivate your relationship. You go to like Joshua 1 where it says meditate on this word day and night so that you may prosper. That, means, that doesn't mean you have a pocket full of money so much as everything works. You could be a billionaire, live in a palace of gold, but if you're dying of cancer, are you prosperous? It is better to prosper in your walk with God and not have any of that stuff. I pray for those men and women who God has blessed in business, who can be the billionaire. Because I pray that they look at their Bible and obey the word of God that says tithe so that you will be blessed. You give a hundred million into the church, what can the church do? Amen? We want that. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm okay. I will get lost. I was told that I ramble really well. <laughs> I have asked people to pray for me that I get everything that needs to be said today done. Understanding God's timing. That's our theme, yes? To start in our uh, understanding of God's timing. The very first thing. Go after what God has called you to do. 
God will take care of the rest. When I was in school, all of my teachers and professors would say, if I say this twice, it's testable. So you should write it down. Go after what God has called you to do. God will take care of the rest. Amen? God is good. We have to start our relationship there. That God is good. We have to realize that what God has put in our hands to do, what he has stirred up in our spirits to do, is what we need to do. Amen? Are you hearing me? Do you understand? Good. <clears throat> God has promises. Isaiah 65, verse 24. I will give you a synopsis. Look it up. But the synopsis is, before you call to him, God answers. I am learning from the Lord that sometimes these things that I feel in my spirit to pray about are not me coming up with a question, but it's God going, what do you think about this? And me having to go back to the Lord and go, Lord, what about this? Until I get understanding. Amen? God's timing for some people is confusing because God's timing is now. Sometimes God does things right now. In Hebrews it says now faith. It's a right now thing. Now God. And suddenly, several times in the Bible, He's also fullness of time. How long is that? I don't know. In the fullness of time. When everything came together, now. When I was engaged to my wife, and we had been engaged for a while, and I asked the Lord, because your Bible says that uh, I should not carry out the engagement too long because it, then the hope of marriage starts to wane. You know, there's some people who've been engaged forever. I was like, I don't want to be that, Lord. And so I said, Lord, and my wife and I, we tried, our, when we were fiancé, tried several times to get things to work out, but nothing was working out. I said, Lord, when? When will we get married? Because you said we're going to get married, so when? I always put it back on God. God answered in the fullness of time. Oh, praise God. That's not a good word. But it's a true word. Amen? 
So what do you do when you are in the fullness of time? You wait. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Hallelujah. So I waited. And then one day, the Lord... And I just felt a stirring in my spirit. Now, everything fell into place. Six weeks after the now, we were married. That was God. If you've ever planned a wedding, that was God. <laughs> then there's wait for it. Wait for it. God has plans that require us to wait for it. Habakkuk 2.4. People like to quote that for vision planting. They like to quote that for um, building projects. I got a new vision. I got a new mission. We'll post it, make it plain so everyone can see it. And those who can see it will run with it. And the verse after that says, wait for it because it's for a different season. So there's a runner running. I've got news. I've got news. When is it? When is it? We got to wait for it. When I was in the military, we had a phrase called hurry up and wait. Because it seemed like all of the NCOs, the non-commissioned officers, and the officers would say, hurry up, get over here, get over here. We get all over here, and then what do we need to do? Wait. Okay, sometimes we have to wait for it. No one likes that. But then there is go. God is not slow concerning his promises. After having done all to stand, stand ye therefore, and then all of a sudden go. Preach this gospel to every nation. Telling them, teaching them, making disciples of them, showing them everything that I commanded them. Sometimes go happens when you're not ready. A friend, uh, one of my mentors, really, one I've learned from, you may have heard of this name, Jesse Duplantis. He's heard that and he said, you know, God is not slow concerning his promises, but sometimes he's too fast. <laughs> so pray for understanding. Pray that in understanding, that means using your mind, using your education, using your intellect. Pray for understanding. Wisdom is something that gets stirred up in your spirit, but understanding is like learning how to use the tools to make them work. Amen? God's ways are not necessarily our ways. We have learned to do certain things a certain way, but 
We have not stopped to learn how God does them. We have to get in this Bible to learn how God does things. He doesn't necessarily do it the way we think. And we could have been a Christian a long time. But if we don't look to the word of God to figure out what he was doing, we're doing this. Bless God. We're just walking in circles. Pray for understanding. Cultivate your relationship with God. What does cultivate mean? When God put Adam in the garden, his first command to Adam was tend. Have dominion. Make rules. Cause it to prosper. Fill all the earth. That's cultivate. Tend means actually put your hand to it. Tend. T-E-N-D. Tend. I'm sorry, some of my southern dialect getting out there. Sound like ten? Ten, T-I-N? Tend. Tend. T-E-N-D. Tend. Thank you. <clears throat> Cultivate your relationship with God. Through Jesus... We get to know him as Abba. God loves you. Does not matter where you are in the earth. Because there are only two places with God. In Christ, not in Christ. Wherever you are in the world, in Christ, not in Christ. If we are in Christ, then we are heirs according to the promise. If we are not in Christ, we're under the curse of the law. We're under the curse of Adam. We're under the curse with a judgment to come. There's, don't want to say amen there, but it's still a fact. So we who are in Christ and those who are called to the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Our responsibility is to go speak to the world. Share with them Jesus Christ. And those people that come to our churches and our meetings, speak to them, build them up, encourage them, teach them how to speak the words of Christ. So that they are going out and they're doing the works of the ministry. Isaiah 61. Let's look there real quick. Are we there? 
Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is the gospel. That is the work of the ministry. Your people, because if you're here today, you're somewhere within the fivefold ministry. If you're watching this on video, your heart is getting stirred. You're somewhere in the fivefold ministry. It's not the pulpit. The pastor and the teacher have the pulpit. The teacher teaches and gets you edified, gives you knowledge, the skills to do. The pastor hears God, finds food in the word to feed your spirit. The evangelist can't help themselves wherever they go. They have to share the good news. Brother, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Oh, you should. Here's why. They can't help themselves. My friend, Dr. Eddie Mitchell, everywhere we go, he apologizes when he goes to a restaurant. I'm sorry, I just have to share the gospel. I said, well, I, I'm okay with that. He has an evangelist part of him. The prophet is not for the church only. In the church, one of the gifts is so that we might prophesy. We might share a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. That's for the edification of the body, to build up the body, to give, hey, I'm going through something tough. Dr. Lauren, do you have a word for me? Well, let me ask the Lord. Okay, here's what the word of the Lord is to you for that situation. That could be a word of knowledge, word of prophecy, word of wisdom for that situation. That's in the body of Christ, but a prophet is different. <clears throat> Prophets stand out somewhere in the streets of Accra, the Lord is showing me, and he's not talking to anybody, not one of the microphone preachers on the corner. You know, God bless them. But he's, he or she, this is what the Lord's showing me and just prophesying. This is what's going to happen. And you know what? The Lord was stirring it up on the inside of them, and the Lord only used them as the microphone. They echoed what the, the Lord was saying. The apostle... <clears throat> If you have my book, um, Reasonable Service, you notice there are two things about the apostle and the prophet. I say about an apostle, desire to be a prophet, or a, an apostle, but do not desire to be an apostle. The accountability for being an apostle is greater. You don't want that because there's less that you can do. I can't, I see someone doing something and I want to say mean things, I can't. Because God goes, no, you can't, because that's my witness, that's my child. I say, yes, sir. But the trade-off is I get to be closer with the Lord. Lord, what are you doing? I just wanted to be with you. Okay. The same with a, a prophet. Desire to be a prophet, but do not desire to be a prophet. 
as a prophet, everything you say is judged by God. Even more so if you say, thus say the Lord. Brother Benjamin, if someone said, well, Benjamin said this, but you didn't, how would you feel? How much more so than God? They misquoted me. Every word a prophet says is judged by God. Did I say that? Old Testament, they had a very surefire way of making sure they knew who was a prophet or who was not. Someone said, thus says the Lord thy God, and it didn't happen. Everyone picked up rocks. Took that person to the, outside the city in the trash dump, made that person a part of the trash dump. You did not want to be a prophet then. Some people like to call themselves a prophet because we now live in the age of grace. I am afraid to be called a prophet because every word you say is judged by God. But, oh, to be in his presence, to hear him and have his words and his breath vibrate within your spirit. It's like, oh my God. All these things that you're showing me, Almighty God, who do I say them to? No one. What do you mean? I'm just talking to you. Okay, this is great. Then will I agree with you in prayer over these things? And then one day he goes, talk to Brother Bright about what's going to happen there. And then you share that word of God. And you go, this is what God is saying. And it's a sure word because it's from God. So, desire to be an apostle, but don't desire to be an apostle. Desire to be a prophet, but don't desire to be a prophet. Because the requirements are heavier. Or higher. Amen? So if someone is calling themselves an apostle, pray for them. If someone's calling themselves a prophet, pray for them. Because if it's on their business card and not in their spirit, pray for them. The same thing that you could tell uh, a test for a prophet is the same way you can tell a test for an apostle. Are they doing the work of an apostle? The work of an apostle is to make sure the gospel is right. That they're not following strange doctrine. That they're building up pastors. They're building up other ministers and leaders. And they're building churches. And they're setting the house in order. Not because they're a bully. Not because they're a boss. Not because they're a lord. Not because they're the big man. Because God burns in them. I said, no. This is the word of God. This is what's right. Let every man be a liar, but let the word of God be true. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, now I'll start my message. No. <laughs> and it comes out of our relationship with God the Father. It starts at the cross. We have to recognize that we have a life that's separate, that is sin. We come to the cross and acknowledge that Jesus paid for 
our sin at the cross. This is what we have to share with all of our people. That's the good news. The good news to the poor is you don't have to be poor no more. Because all your needs are met in Christ Jesus. You tired of being sick? Go to God. He is the healer. One of the first times he introduced himself as Jehovah anything was Jehovah Rophe to the children of Israel. He said, I'm the God that heals. And if you, Jehovah, wherever you see that in the Bible, that means I am. He's not saying I, I will heal you. The translators say, he is the God that healeth thee. God said in the Hebrew, I am healing. The psalmist said they're healing in his wings. So go to God and cultivate your relationship with him as father. Amen? Amen. To understand God's timing, we need to study his ways, how he does things. This is through the Bible and spending time with him. Know this word of God for yourself. Is that 2 Timothy? So that uh, you have no need of anyone to teach you, but the Spirit himself will teach you. That the word of God is for reproof. You get this word inside you so that no one can lie to you. There are too many people who say good things. And you go, oh yeah, yes, oh yes. If I give you $58, you'll give me a million. Yes. No, that's not God. I find that nowhere in the Bible. I find in Malachi, where Malachi 3, it says tithe. By the time we get to Malachi, Israel had stopped following the law completely. And God, in his mercy, said, test me in this. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven and bless you. I wanted to get them back into the law. So here, test me in the tithe and I will bless you. Do you want to be blessed by God? Take a tenth of your increase and go, Lord, here it is. I trust you for everything. My favorite example of the tithe is Jacob. It's around Genesis 29, I think. And he is out in the desert. He just left from lying to his father, stealing his brother's blessing, and being his brother Esau telling him, when dad dies, I'm going to kill you. And he ran. He had a stick and a rucksack. That's it. A stick in a bag. And he's out in the middle of the desert, and he goes, if you'll be my God... I'll be your man, and I'll give you a tenth of everything just to bless you. So he ran on, and God blessed him. And every time he had a harvest, he took a tenth, and he went out and gave an offering to God. A tenth of his goats, a tenth of his sheep, a tenth of his camels, a tenth of his everything. It was In Texas, they are very big on barbecue, Everything is barbecue. I think they learned that from Jacob because they had a barbecue for God and God was the only one invited. 
Here's this just to bless you. And God said it was a sweet aroma. And God blessed Jacob so much so that his brothers-in-law went to his father-in-law and said, Jacob has more stuff than all of us combined. We're going to take his stuff. And their father-in-law, their father said, no. Jacob is blessed. I want you to be so blessed and the people in your congregations and those that you minister to to be so blessed that your business partners and your relatives start to complain to God and their parents how blessed you are because God has blessed you and you walk with God. And the windows of heaven are just flowing in your life. That doesn't mean necessarily money and stuff, but it could be. How about everybody getting the flu but you? How about everybody having aches and pains and you can't relate? How about every time that they do cutbacks and layoffs at work but not you? When God gives you favor, when they look for that man or woman to lead, they go, hey, it's you. Oh, come on. Why not? Amen? Because of your relationship with God the Father and spending time in his word. And it's not just necessarily getting on your knees and going, Lord God, thank you for my daily bread. Lord God, thank you for my car that works. Lord God, thank you for my car. Lord God, thank you for my job. Lord God, not spending time with them. Lord, I love you. I worship you. You are worthy to be praised. There is none like you in all the earth. Lord, you are my rock and my salvation, my mighty God in whom I trust. You're my shield and my buckler. You're my everything. You cause me to rise up and be blessed. Hallelujah. You spend time with God like that. Wives, if your husband would come to you and say, oh, look how wonderful you are. Let me get this for you. I think you're the greatest. Your, Your dinners are excellent every time. Thank you for just being a great person. How would that make you feel? Husbands, if your wives did that for you. Yes, I'm Superman. Well, how much more so God when his children love him, not out of ritual. Let me say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be in heaven. He doesn't care for that. He wants our Father, my Father. You are in heaven, but you are here with me. Holy is your name. Hallowed are you. Worthy are you. You start that way. God will go, oh, I got to go show up. I got to be in the midst. Because the Bible also says that God inhabits the praises of his people. You start praising God, God will show up. And then the fullness of joy starts happening. Amen? Amen. Share this with your people. They need to know. God loves them. God wants to be with them. Knowledge plus wisdom equals understanding. Knowledge plus wisdom equals understanding. 
Knowledge means you learn something. The Greek word is gnosis. It means technical, intelligence. Wisdom is learning something that you don't necessarily understand, but it's given to you. I worked a job as an analyst, and the Lord had told me that I was going to, into a job, into things, into a role where I would not understand what to do. I said, oh, great. And then I said, all right. All right, Lord, I will go. And I'm sitting there, and the, the vice president comes to me and says, I need this done. And I looked at that thing, and I said, I have no idea how to do this, Lord. Because in John 14, he said that the Spirit will teach you all things. And he'll bring all things to remembrance. So you got two things working for you. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you, and the Holy Spirit will remind you everything that Jesus said. Even when you're sinning, which is not comfortable. But I'm sitting there at this computer asking the Lord, show me. And I start seeing. And I start doing. Next thing I know, every time that vice president had a problem he could not solve, he came to me. Because I went to the Lord. I became a Daniel. I became a Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I became a Joseph to them. Because I had technical knowledge, and I sought the Lord for wisdom, and the Lord gave me wisdom. Amen? Pray and receive. <clears throat> I taught a course on introduction to homiletics. One of those college things for a university, how to publicly speak. Are you familiar with the term introvert? Introvert. They don't like talking to anybody. Hi, Dave. That was me. But God changed me. Now I'll talk to anybody. Because God changed me. And I had to teach a lot of people how in this class on homiletics, which is how to speak and how to teach the Bible. And in this class, I was sharing the knowledge and the methodology of speaking. And as, as pastors and teachers, how do you know you're getting a word from God? How do you find that word from God? Well, if someone asks you to speak somewhere, the very first thing you do is pray. Then you receive. Then you research. Pray. Receive. Research. Every single time. When I was asked to come here for this conference, what did I do? Prayed. Received from the Lord. And I researched. Here are my notes. Just receive from the Lord. It's not how brilliant you are. It's not how well studied you are. They called me Dr. Dave before I had a PhD. Because I just read everything and studied everything. 
And I, you could ask, I was, everybody knows Google? Before Google, there was me. <laughs> My wife says, I don't need Google, I have Dave. <laughs> it's about relationship with God and God being in your everyday life. The very first thing, now we started out with cultivate your relationship with God. It's all about that relationship. It's not about being up here at the pulpit. It's not being in front of tens of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people. I've spoken to really large crowds before. I've had thousands follow uh, a message on internet. It's not about any of that. In fact, Jesus referred to that kind of stuff as chaff. When you're in the winnowing fan and you're working your winnowing fan, you're looking for the kernels of grain to work to the bottom and everything that's left over is good for the fire. That's chaff. All that stuff, fame, fortune, and all that stuff that comes with it, if God is not in it, it's not worth it. It's trash. But if I can be in front of someone and share with them Jesus and their life gets changed, I'll be as famous as famous gets if I can get one person to be blessed. One person who does not have to live in the judgment of God. Amen? And it's, for us, it's our relationship with the Lord. God being in your everyday life. Everything you do in Acts, it says you live and move and have your being in the spirit of the Lord. Have to get to that part and be different. People will go, Brother Bright, you're different. What's, what makes you different? I prefer God. But everyone's going to watch that football match. You want to come watch that football match? No. I want to be over here with the Lord. There's nothing wrong with football. But if the Lord's saying, I would rather you be over here with me, then where, where should you be? Amen? So, quick recap. Cultivate your relationship with God. That means you have to work at it. He is your Father, Abba. There's more teaching you can just do on that word Abba if you look in the Hebrew. Abba actually means the house of sacrifice, Ab. And that's the Hebrew word for father. It's crazy. And how many fathers have been able to can relate to that? How many times have you had to sacrifice for your family? Well, how much more our Father in heaven? I won't start that because it's another thing altogether. But cultivate your relationship with God, your Father. Understand his timing. Understand him. Seek after knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And the last thing, 
It's about your relationship with him. More than anything else, more than speaking in front of people, more than laying hands on sick and watching people get healed, more than blind eyes opening up, more than deaf ears opening up, more than the lame walking, more than limbs growing, more than anything. Even the number of people you can get saved through evangelism. If you do not have a relationship with God, it is all counted as nothing for you. Now, those persons that you got saved, they're still saved. But when you come before the Lord in Matthew 7, he talked about a group of people that came to him and said, We've done this, that, and the other thing, Lord, in your name. And he said, Depart from me. I don't know you. They did not cultivate a relationship with God. Amen? All right. Did you get anything from today? Yes. Amen. Thank you. Let us appreciate the man of God. Wow. I love one thing. Cultivate your relationship with God. I love it. So it's not just about being a Christian, but you have to.